Chapter 9 The Founding of Narnia The lion was pacing to and fro about the empty land and singing his new song. It was softer and more lilting than the song by which he had called upon the stars and the sun, a gentle rippling music. And as he walked and sang, the valley grew green with grass. It spread out from the lion like a pool. It ran up the sides of the hills like a wave. In a few minutes, it was creeping up the lower slopes of the distant mountains, making that young world every moment softer. The light wind could now be heard ruffling the grass. I'm Katie, and this is Bethy. Welcome to For Narnia and For Aslan. Bethy is making her way through a Christmas popcorn bucket and is realizing that it will never taste as good as she remembers it being when she was a kid. Mm. <laughs> Rough. I know. <laughs> Katie has been speaking in an attempted Russian accent for much of the morning. Why are you doing that, Katie? <laughs> <laughs> I had guests last night and I'm just in a mood. I'm not going to try it here on, on the air. <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea, but I'd love to hear it once we're not recording. <laughs> We love Narnia, <laughs> and we're excited to talk about it with each other and with you. And the exquisite music you've just heard is Dawn by Salt of the Sound. We are looking at Chapter 9 this week, and my recap goes like this. While Diggory thinks of how this place could help his mother, and Uncle Andrew thinks only of how it could help himself, the creation through the lion's song continues, and he makes plants and eventually even animals. Among these animals, the lion chooses pears who he gathers and changes, telling them and all of Narnia to awake and speak. My recap says, As the lion sings, the new world is covered in grass, trees, shrubs, animals, and when the witch flings her iron bar at the lion, it just bounces off and begins to grow into a lamppost. Diggory wants to ask the lion to help his mother, but must wait for the lion is summoning animals of each kind and calling them to awaken. I'm so glad that you said that about the lamppost because I was trying to fit it in and I couldn't. And I love that part. It's such a great part. So this is the iron bar that the witch had incredibly pulled off of a lamppost back in London to fight the policeman with. And it's come with her all the way into this new land. And she throws it dead on into the lion's forehead and it just you can't even tell if the lion notices at all and just sinks into the grass and grows a fresh young lamppost and it's alive it's lit yes it's so sweet i love it and i just think it's such a delightful explanation for the lamppost that we see in later books mm -hmm. which of course he wrote those books first so he had to come up with an explanation so wonderful and this is what gets uncle andrew thinking about how he could make use of this land yeah it's actually really cool what he talks about mm -hmm. it's unfortunately really selfish but i found myself thinking things that i wouldn't have thought when i read it as a kid hmm. where i was like almost agreeing with him in my mind like oh yeah he could make a lot of money right he realized that he could bury scraps of metal and out would come full train engines or battleships he says, they'll cost nothing. I can sell them at full prices in England. I shall be a millionaire, which is completely true if this keeps working this way. Oh, yeah, completely true. And same with his idea for having like a health spa. Mm -hmm. I thought that was such a cool idea. Yeah. 
<laughs> it is. And he's like, so I would excited. love to go to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> spend a week in London. I mean, spend... <laughs> no. Spend a week in London. No. no. <laughs> no spend a week in London. Yeah. I would love to spend a week in London. But... <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> it sounds awesome. And unfortunately, he's thinking of it entirely in a selfish way. But I was just kind of surprised by how much I found myself agreeing with him. And kind of disappointed, I guess, in myself. Right. Yeah, I'm feeling that right now, too. Like, oh, man, this is really cool. It's so how we think. But then he kind of gives himself away by saying, of course, I shall have to let a few people into the secret. The first thing is to get that brute shot. And he's talking about the lion. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like, all of this land that he's impressed by and trying to use and and even feeling its good effects on him is because of the lion. Like, the lion is making all of this. And yet he wants the good stuff without the lion. Yeah. I feel like that just so easily ties into faith where... We pray for the good stuff from God, but we don't want maybe some necessary challenges that come with it. Mm-hmm. And so far, there aren't even challenges that we can see here. It's unclear why, you know, what's not to like about the lion. The lion should be associated with all these good things. But for some reason, he he doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. What else did you notice in this chapter? Well, I really love the moment when Polly realizes, oh, everything that the lion sings then happens. I just love it because it's beautiful, the writing of it. And I'll Mm -hmm. read a little section of it here. When a line of dark firs sprang up on a ridge about a hundred yards away, she felt that they were connected with a series of deep, prolonged notes, which the lion had sung a second before. And when he burst into a rapid series of lighter notes, She was not surprised to see Primrose suddenly appear in every direction. Thus, with an unspeakable thrill, she felt quite certain that all the things were coming, as she said, out of the lion's head. When you listened to his song, you heard the things he was making up. When you looked around you, you saw them. I love that. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it says that sh- this was so exciting that she had no time to be afraid. But Diggory and the cabbie are getting a little bit nervous because the lion is coming closer. And that's, of course, when the witch throws the iron bar. Katie, isn't it funny that he goes through all of the animals and he chooses pears and he touches them with his nose Hmm. and they instantly leave their own kind and follow him. But others, he passes over completely. Like all of the frogs, they just plop right into the river (laughs) and they go away. There are no talking frogs. Mm -hmm. Why is that, do you think? That's a great question. Because it makes a point of saying some sorts of animal he passed over altogether. Yeah. On the one hand, it just accounts for the way the world is. I mean, we don't see talking frogs in Narnia, and this is why. But I guess what I was thinking first, oh, it wouldn't be fitting to have talking snakes or to have, you know, like certain animals don't have the dignity of becoming talking animals or something. But I don't think that's what it is because he's just created all of them, including those ones that weren't chosen. Right. They all matter. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just for some reason, some get the privilege of speaking and others don't. I wonder if this is similar to just calling in general. I mean, we talk about how Israel is the chosen people and it seems weird. Like, why would God choose Abraham and not all the other people? But mm-hmm. one thing is, well, it's you're not chosen to be just special and it's not just extra good luck. It's a special job that they have. And the frogs have the job of being frogs and other animals have the job of just being animals, which is important and good. But these ones have the job of being talking animals. Yeah, that makes sense. Or like how we're chosen for different things. And it feels always confusing to us. Why am I this and you're that? <laughs> right. It 
feels similar to spiritual gifts and the way that Paul talks about the body mm. and how not everything can be an eye. Not every person can have the gift of healing. Mm-hmm. We all need each other and we all need to be different. Right. And we're so quick to say this one's better than that one. Or even mm-hmm. here, like, oh, the talking animals are more important than the other animals. And in a certain way, yes, we pay more attention to them, but they're all the good creation. Yeah. I love how they respond when he touches their noses. They're sitting there with their eyes fixed and tilting their heads to the side as if they're trying very hard to understand. There's not the same sort of nobleness here in this solemn scene with these noble animals who are going to be talking animals. They're so sweet and animal-like and silly. Innocence is the word that comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, the lion is described in this way. It was so big and so bright that Diggory couldn't take his eyes off of it. Mm. There's an extra level of nobility around him. Yeah, this is in the midst of all the chaos of all the animals making noise and all the color. And I thought, oh, I'm surprised that there wasn't a line about like how everything else was sort of dull and dingy and the line was bright. But no, everything else is is completely bright and amazing. But the lion is still the only thing you can look at. I think that's sometimes how my faith is. But I wish that was always how it was. Mm-hmm. There are lots of other bright things that distract me. Yeah, I was talking about that with some folks during a sort of Bible study this week about how we get distracted by other stuff. And we were reading Isaiah 40. And I was confused why there's this whole long section about who is like the Lord, who can hold the seas in his hands and who made the heavens, all this stuff. And it seemed unrelated to the topic about God saving Israel. But I think it's for that reason. Someone else in the group brought up, it's fixing our eyes back on the Lord, the one who's bright and who we should be looking at. The sacred reading that you have planned for us, it has to do with the creation of the animals, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just near there now where we're talking. Before they become talking animals, it's it's after only plants have been created so far. And I love the way that the animals are created. It says, can you imagine a stretch of grassy land bubbling like water in a pot? For that is really the best description of what's happening. And each bubble of the ground rises and rises and then bursts open and an animal climbs out. It's so cool. They're, they're of the earth. It's mm-hmm. just the coolest imagery. The best. I was just thinking what the land would look like after this. All these holes in the ground that used to have an I elephant in them. I was wondering that too. Like, <laughs> did Narnia need to recover from I feel like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Although everything's growing so quickly right now that I think it wouldn't take long for grass to come back. That's true. This is a very growth-filled time that we're in. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'd like us to try today is a sacred reading practice that has been used in the church forever and that is used in all sorts of ways and that's singing so in the church we see this you know people have set scripture to music from the very beginning well even before the church in ancient israel and it happened in a particular way in the monasteries that monks and nuns would chant scripture especially the psalms just as their way of reading them daily And I've found that helpful for myself sometimes when I'm having trouble getting into a text of scripture or paying attention to it fully. I'll sometimes try singing it just on my own. It can help slow me down. And as I have to make decisions about the melody or about where to change my voice, I notice things about the text that I wouldn't otherwise. And sometimes it helps me 
remember that these words are special. So I'm curious what it would be like to try singing some of the text of The Magician's Nephew. And I'd love to try it with this section here about the animals growing up out of the earth. Well, this seems like the perfect time to do it because that's how they're coming to be. <laughs> that's what I thought too. I've been excited to try. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm still not 100% sure how this will work, Bethy, but I'm thinking of trying it sort of like chanting. And I spent some time at a monastery where we did chant psalms regularly. So I'm hoping it'll all come back to me, but we'll see. Great. I'll start perhaps and just sort of give you the feel of it and then we could try together. Okay, no promises on my end that I'm going to be any good at this at all, but I've heard you do it several times and you're very good at it. So I'm excited to hear you do it. <laughs> it's always a little nerve wracking to like sing in front of people. So to all our listeners, that's how we're feeling right now. <laughs> Maybe you will too if you try this on your own. You don't have to have an audience. Okay, <laughs> but let's pay attention to this creation of the animals. The moles came out just as you might see a mole come out in England. The dogs came out barking the moment their heads were free and struggling as you've seen them do when they're getting through a narrow hole in a hedge. The stags were the queerest to watch, for of course the antlers came up a long time before the rest of them. So at first Diggory thought they were trees. The frogs who all came up near the river went straight into it with a plop-plop and a loud croaking. The panthers, <laughs> leopards, and things of that sort sat down at once to wash the loose surf off their hindquarters and then stood up against the trees to sharpen their front claws. Showers of birds came out of the trees. Butterflies fluttered. <laughs> ah, it's hard <laughs> you're doing so well these lines that you're saying about the birds and the butterflies and then the bees going to work mm -hmm. is my favorite part bees got to work on the flowers as if they hadn't a second to lose <laughs> <laughs> and that's one way and another way is to just try and make a song melody which is sometimes trickier but also an option maybe I'll try it <laughs> <laughs> But the greatest moment of all was when the biggest hump broke like a small earthquake and out came the sloping back, the large wise head and the four baggy trousered legs of an elephant. <laughs> Woohoo! That was such a good one! Awesome! <laughs> Do you want to try, Bethy? Oh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we could also have like a certain melody that I sing and then you repeat and then we sing together or something or oh, that would help. So how about I try this line and then you repeat it and then we sing it together and see if it's even becoming a little bit of a song. Okay. And now you could hardly hear the song of the lion. And now you could hardly hear the song of the lion. There was so much cawing, cooing, crowing, and braying. There was so much cawing, cooing, crowing, and braying. Neighing, baying, barking, lowing. Bleeding and trumpeting. But the diggory could no longer hear the lion. <laughs> He could see it. 
It was so big and so bright that he could not take his eyes off of it. It was so big and so bright that he could not take his eyes off it. In the name of Aslan, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was maybe a little bit sacrilege. And <laughs> <laughs> no, we're pushing it there. <laughs> but try this at home with your Bible and see what happens. It's so fun. It really is. I was a little, actually a little more than a little nervous. It's so fun. <laughs> it makes me feel kind of like a kid and kind of just like a pure human, like I am mm. human. <laughs> I think we're made for this. Yeah. Reading this portion by singing it gave it a different flavor for me. It felt like a repeated thing, like something we can re-enter. It's not just a story that happened once, but a story that somehow is real now or that is important for us to remember now. Hmm. It made it feel more like a celebration than just a report. The text is already such celebratory language. And this just was a way of noticing that. And entering into it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for doing that together. <laughs> Thanks for leading it. <laughs> so our scripture reading continues the story because we've had this creation of the animals. And then there are certain animals that are chosen and they gather around Aslan. And Diggory knows something very solemn is going to be done. Mm -hmm. Here is our scripture reading that connects with all of this in this very solemn moment. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I see a lot of connection here with the moment when the text says, the lion whose eyes never blink stared at the animals as hard as if he was going to burn them up with his mere stare. And gradually a change came over them. The smaller ones, the rabbits, moles, and such like, grew a good deal larger. The very big ones, you noticed it much more with the elephants, grew a little smaller. Many animals sat up on their hind legs. Most put their heads to one side as if they were trying very hard to understand. The lion opened his mouth, but no sound came from it. He was breathing out a long, warm breath. It seemed to sway all the beasts as wind sways a line of trees. Hmm. This is the moment I feel like when Aslan puts his own image into these animals. Mm -hmm. And that is why they are different from the others, because they are more like Aslan. I love that it uses breath there, breathing out a long, warm breath, which connects so much to our creation, the breath of God in us, the breath of life he breathes in. There's a note that I wrote in my Bible. I don't know how old this note is, Hmm. but it's right next to these verses. And it says, fill the earth with God's image and take care of the creation. Mm-hmm. And I just think this is a moment when Aslan is filling Narnia with his own image, mm-hmm. waking up Narnia to be who it is really meant to be. Mm. And then there's this delightful moment that I had never really noticed in my past readings, but it says, then there came a swift flash like fire 
but it burnt nobody, either from the sky or from the lion itself, and every drop of blood tingled in the children's bodies. And that moment made me think of Pentecost. Me too, and I had never noticed it before either. Such a cool one. Yeah, so dramatic. Yeah, so he has given his image to these animals and now maybe breathed his spirit into them as well. I think it's pulling on all of that, yeah. What do you think being in the image of God means? Like, what is the image of God in us? Mm. Pretty often, I think people think image of God and they try and think of some quality about humans that is different from animals that makes us human. And that's Mm. the image of God. For example, that we're rational is one that often has been pointed to as the image of God. But then it doesn't quite work because there's people with all sorts of different thinking ability. And really, in Genesis, the image of God is more like a role that they're given to be the representatives of God on earth, just like there'd be an image in a temple to be the representative of some God. Hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I feel like if we're looking to humans and what we have that's different and special, we're looking in the wrong direction Mm. to figure out what God's image is. Uh, That's so well put. (laughs) Thanks. Mm -hmm. My most basic understanding of who God is, is that God is love. Mm -hmm. And God has so many qualities. I could sit here and list them all day. But I think that a good starting point is that God is love. And that when we are able to offer love to others, there's some kind of image that is beyond our self that is happening. Mm -hmm. We're showing all of creation what God is like. Right. And I think you can then take all of God's other amazing qualities and apply that same concept to it. God is a creator. Mm -hmm. And so when we create, we are showing God's image. Mm. I don't know. It's a really big concept. It is. But I think we have to first start with God not with us. That is such a good insight. And that helps understand a little bit more of that passage that you read about what it means to rule the earth too, because God is a ruler. The earth is the Lord's. And if we're in the image of God, then we have dominion over it in the same way that God does, which is this amazing caring for it. And in the end, even giving himself for us, his creatures. Yeah, I think that's a big mistake that we can make sometimes is to accidentally think that ruling means to... To be like Uncle Andrew. Yes, there Mm -hmm. it is. Yes, Mm -hmm. to be like Uncle Andrew rather than to be caring and gentle and cultivating maybe correcting every now and then, but only for its own good. Right. That sounds a lot more like the way that God cares for the world than the way that Uncle Andrew cares for the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which is really just trying to use it up for himself. Yeah. And the good thing is caring for the world isn't, you know, mutually exclusive with it providing for us. It goes both ways, which is such a gift that as we care for it, it gives us food and it gives us resources. Yeah, it's a give and take, but you cannot take unless you give. And this actually, your scripture reading you've chosen gives me a lens to talk a little bit more about Uncle Andrew's interaction with the world, because it's not a bad thing to be, you know, creating stuff, making spas, making giant things out of iron even. Yeah, creation is good. Yeah, but this is a moment to be celebrating what is and learning what the world is created for. I don't know. I think he's getting it wrong somehow. Yeah, I think he's jumping the gun and doesn't yet know what this place is supposed to be about Mm -hmm. and assuming that he knows best. Like it's not even that he's trying to get too much from it or something. It's that he's not receiving enough. He's not seeing the goodness that's being offered everywhere. He's not celebrating when it's a time of celebration. Well, he doesn't even think it's a good place until he realizes what he can gain from it. He's not open to its goodness. 
not open to the lion's goodness is the reason probably hmm. but these animals here and the children are drinking it in because it's good 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 i just love this chapter there's a little bit less plot here in terms of things you could report but so much happens but it's just that so much yeah. is not that so much is going on mm -hmm. do you remember the very first time that you ever read this chapter no i don't it's been with me since before i can remember oh that's good i like mm. that <laughs> <laughs> do you I do really vaguely. I don't know how old I was, but I remember feeling like this is the best chapter that has ever been written. Mm. Ever. <laughs> this is the best chapter that will ever exist. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm picturing my dog right now being one of these animals. <laughs> <laughs> She's so great. <laughs> I know. So's yours. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> They're great in really different ways. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if Aslan's choosing dogs to be special in many ways, that's what it's like when God chooses us to be in his image. We're just creatures. But he yeah. says, I like you. <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. do stuff with you. Yeah, he says, this one's good. He's not as serious as I sometimes think, at least not always. How does all of this apply to the week ahead? I think I've been having very many serious conversations with people recently about serious things happening in their lives, in our world. But I think I need to make sure I'm also looking for moments to be celebrating, just receiving the goodness of God and the goodness of the world God has made. Because I think we need that to sustain us and to remind us of all of who God is and who we are. Looking for chances to celebrate with people. I love that. Hmm. What about you? I feel similarly like I need to be looking for moments of celebration and also just remembering something that a friend of mine told me once. Hmm. She said, you're a human being, not a human doing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And I just want to remember that. Hmm. That's a good word for the week. Even in our doing, we don't create ourselves. <laughs> yeah well are we ready to hear our last paragraph today yes let's then there came a swift flash like fire but it burnt nobody either from the sky or from the lion itself and every drop of blood tingled in the children's bodies and the deepest wildest voice they had ever heard was saying Narnia Narnia Narnia, awake, love, think, speak, be walking trees, be talking beasts, be divine waters. This was the beginning of the comings and goings in Narnia. See you next week with chapter 10 of The Magician's Nephew. I'm thinking of actually starting yeah. just with the moles part because there's like too much use of the word hump <laughs> in this first part. <laughs> That's where I was planning to start, but <laughs> it just feels awkward. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love trying to imagine you singing that word over and over again. <laughs> 
Um, we can definitely start with the moles if you'd like, but <laughs> that kills me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. 